yeah, so if you haven't picked up, my name is Zoe. Um, I am the key youth leader here um, and also a theology student um, doing my honours at the moment. And today I am talking with you a bit. Um, and I am talking about... Is it going to go? There we go. The Gifts of the Spirit. Um, so this is a part of our ongoing series called Empowered, um, which we've had James, Matt and Michelle already talk about the Holy Spirit, his healing and prophecy and like words that he can pictures and where he speaks to us. And today I'm kind of talking about all of them. So healing and prophecy are spiritual gifts in their own right. I'm kind of doing a bit more of a Love them. So if you uh, aren't familiar with spiritual gifts, they are essentially a way that God empowers us through his spirit to do what Jesus did. They're like abilities that enable us to essentially do the Jesus stuff. So if you read the Gospels, that sort of thing, you'll see Jesus worked a lot of miracles and talked to a lot of people and did just some really awesome things like blind people seeing, I was about to say blind people walking and people that can't paralyze people seeing. Um, but even more amazing, he made the paralyzed people walk and see. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so there these things that uh, basically enable us to do that, but also to just do all of the stuff that Jesus did. He didn't just do that. He also was in fellowship and community with lots of different people. And they're just these like abilities that God gives us that can do that. And there are some key passages that I'll be drawing from. Uh, one, Romans, in Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, and Ephesians 4. I'm not going to read out all of these because that would just be the whole sermon. Um, and I've got a little bit more to say than that. So that would be good to just say. But uh, yeah, so in those passages, there are lists given for what the spiritual gifts are. Now, these lists aren't like fully exhaustive of everything that could ever be a spiritual gift. They're more representative of, as Paul was writing, because Paul wrote those letters, um, what things he thought to point out. They're not meant to be everything, because in them, there are different things listed. And I have compiled them all, though, into a list of these are the things that Paul lists as things that could be spiritual gifts. So some on here might be less surprising to you, like healing or prophecy, because we talked about those the past two weeks as the way God can talk to us and be with us. So if you've been here the past two weeks, they might be less surprising. Or uh, tongues being a spiritual gift might not be so surprising to you. Or maybe it's more like an experience thing where it's not surprising because you're like, I know that evangelism has to be a spiritual gift because there is no way I could go up and talk to somebody anyway. So yeah, you might go, that has to be a spiritual gift because the only way I could do that is through the power of the Holy Spirit. But others on here might be more surprising to you, like the idea of faith as a spiritual gift or generosity as a spiritual gift, or comfort, and the ability to comfort others as a gift. And part of this is because God works in everything. He is in the miraculous and the mundane. So he's in it all, so he can gift us in all areas of life. 
But you might be going, okay, but Zoe, aren't we all meant to have faith? Aren't we all meant to be generous? Aren't we all meant to like try and comfort people when they're sad? Um, so yeah, aren't we all meant to do that? Yes, exactly. We're all meant to do it. So um, thanks for, you know, being on the same page as me. We are all meant to do those things. And it's not just faith and generosity that we're all meant to do. We're all meant to be able to, like, God can gift us in all of those areas. So it could be healing or prophecy or faith or comfort. All of them he can gift us in. And this is a really key idea to sort of the vineyard movement as a whole, which is the idea that everybody gets to play. And this is like, a, it's called one of the distinctives of the vineyard. It's what like makes us a little bit different, though I don't think it makes us that different. Um, but I think it should be that everybody gets to play. Um, and essentially this means that like, we can all do the Jesus stuff. We can all do the stuff that God wants us to do because it's not about whether or not I can do it. It's about whether or not God wants me to do it. Um, and the, you might be going, okay, but Zoe, I know that someone, like I know people that are like really gifted prophets or like I know that I don't have the gifting to be a pastor. I know that James is gifting. Like that's, <laughs> and so there are things where you might have cases of like special anointing. Um, and I see this more in myself in like the retroactive of like, I am, if you know, one of the gifts of the Spirit is administration. I am not gifted in administration. Like, <laughs> it will take me way too long to send an email that is like, looks good to me, uh, is all I need to say. It will take me like three business days to send it. Um, it takes me like three months to book an appointment by phone just because I can't be bothered calling up the people that I need to book an appointment for. Um, but because I know everybody gets to play, I pray often for the spiritual gift of administration because honestly, I think the only way I send most of the emails I need to send is um, compulsion of the spirit being like, come on, Zoe, you have to do this. I'm like, okay, God, I'm listening. I know I need to send this email. Um, and yeah, so that's the thing. If everybody gets to play in our strengths, like I'm much better at talking than I am at sending emails. Um, and also in our weaknesses, like sending emails. Um, and this, this is the case because the, the point of spiritual gifts isn't about what I can do in my flesh. The point of spiritual gifts is what God can do through me and his spirit, right? So the point's not, and it's also not about me as one person, as an individual. All of the spiritual gifts are actually really relational things. They are done in community. Like healing works a lot better when there's someone there to be healed. Um, and sometimes it's God healing us. That's still relational. There's still two people involved there. All of the gifts work in relationship. And so the point of the gifts isn't about one person doing something. The point of the gifts is about God doing things through us and us being everybody. And essentially, when we look at the key passages and that sort of thing, there are three areas brought up as like the purpose of spiritual gifts, why God does them. So the first one is being 
that it's to glorify God. Uh, so this comes from 1 Peter 4, 10 to 11, which says, I will find it in my Bible. One sec. Um, one more over. So 1 Peter 4, 10 to 11 says, As each of us has received a gift, use it to serve one another as God's stewards as good stewards of God's very grace, varied grace. Whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. In order that everything God may, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to him belong the glory and dominion forever. Amen. And so key idea here, as each has received a gift, there's almost an assumption that we've all received a gift here, as each of us have received. Um, and also, so that God is glorified, so that God is given the praise, the honour, the glory, that He is the one being uplifted, that these gifts are meant to point to what He is doing through us. And that kind of means that it's not by our strength, it's not by what I'm capable of doing. Is it not back? Did I go too far? Spoilers. Um, <laughs> uh, so, it's not by our strength, but by God's strength. So he is glorified through what we do in his power. In our weakness, he looks even stronger and better, and he can fill in all of our weaknesses, right? The second idea is the common good. Now, this is something that I could spend way too long talking about because um, my honours project uh, is about truth and justice and a key part of that is what it means to do good in the Bible. Um, and I'm going to summarise for you what I have just spent about like a month writing about. Um, and so I'm, I'm sitting here going, but what about this? But what about this? And But important thing is that in the Bible, uh, the common good is the idea of drawing people closer to God um, giving life and uplifting people, right? So like if you have someone like unequal things in society, it's about uplifting so that we can all be on the same standing, right? And this is in just before he goes into listing them in 1 Corinthians 12, 7. He says, now the, oh, 12, 7, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So this idea of the Spirit is given for the common good um, to kind of uplift everyone. And this key part to the common good is thinking about others, right? It's not thinking about ourselves. It's given to us to give out to others. And so... If you're thinking about the common good, you're thinking about how can you uplift the people around you? How can you build up everything? How can we give life to what's around us? And we can only do any of those things through God, which is why the common good is God's goodness, because he ultimately knows all of what is good and how to get there and, you know, A through Z of all the steps we need to take. So the kind of... Third key one is in is the idea of the body of Christ. Um, and this ties in very nicely to 
the idea of the common good, uplifting those around us. And the point of the common good and the body of Christ is that they both point towards glorifying God. Um, because if we're the body of Christ, then we here to glorify God. So the verse that this comes from is in... It didn't change. I changed that. Um, <laughs> you'll see my mistake of one Roman. Um, <laughs> um, there is only one book of Romans. At least I don't write two Romans. <laughs> Getting a bit apocryphal. But um, so it says in Romans 12, 4 to 6, for as in one body we have the same, uh, for as one body we have many members and the members do not at all have the same function. So we through many are one body in Christ and individually members um, one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. So this idea is the, you know, grace given to us, we're all able to do different things and have different functions in the body, right? Like everybody gets to play, but that doesn't mean all of the time God's going to want me to do all of the things. He's going to want me to do some things sometimes and Sophie to do some things sometimes and Nancy to do some things other times, right? And sometimes there'll be overlap and sometimes they'll be different, but it's that we can all do it and it's just whether or not we're the one God wants to do it through in that moment. And uh, the gifts are also a part of us continuing Jesus's work here on earth. The church is his body and we are given the gifts to, doing, to continue doing the Jesus stuff till he returns and the kingdom of God comes in full and we'll see everything as it's meant to be and we'll no longer keep seeing things coming in part. And so we kind of need to work out all parts of the body. Sometimes we overemphasize other one gift and underemphasize another one and we can end up looking a bit like this because um, we're skipping leg day and not working out all of our body parts um, and so if we want to be a good body and actually functioning and not look a bit ridiculous then we need to work in all of who we are in all of the um all of the spirit and all of the body of Christ. And that requires all of us to do our part. Um, so we can all do it. And you might be going, okay, Zoe, but I'm not sure if it, it really means me as everybody. Like, I'm a new Christian. I haven't done it before. I don't know. So I thought I would let you know of the conditions that there are into working on them. I know I said everybody, but there are a few conditions. So the conditions, are you breathing? <laughs> Or it can be an and or, like God works in wonderful ways. Do you have a pulse? Um, so if you have those, then you can do it because God can do anything through, through you. And even if like you have a pulse, but you're not breathing, God gives us life. We can pray for you and he can do awesome things. So, um, and also good on being here. Very impressive. So <laughs> um, basically the only condition really and it's not even a condition, it's just something that can help, um, is we're told that all we have to do is ask. We must simply ask for the gifts and you shall receive, for our Father is a Father who gives good gifts. Now, this doesn't mean we're always going to get what we ask for. When I was 
a young warthog uh, when I was young. <laughs> um, when I was young, uh, there were two things that often slipped their way into my prayers at night before, while I was going to sleep, is I would ask God that I would wake up and be able to play the piano without having had to practice. Um, and yeah, <laughs> like I think it would be awesome if we could all do that, but I really wanted it. And so I used to ask God that I could wake up and play piano. I wasn't even that fussy. I was like, piano would be awesome because we have a piano, so I'd be able to test it out. But like any instrument would be cool to just wake up and play it well. Um, without practicing. And I also used to pray that I would get glasses. Um, because, <laughs> so I think we can all figure out which one God answered and which one he didn't. But I did ask, and we don't always get what we ask for, but you know, that's because part of asking and praying with God is working out how to align ourselves with his will. And I was really aligned with his will and what his plans for me were with getting glasses and not so much with playing instruments. <laughs> Um, so all, if all we need to do is ask, if all we need to do is say, God, can you help me? Why don't we? Why do we hide? Why do we stand on the outside and not partake? Um, and with the youth, we've been doing the Alpha course. Well, we've actually, we finished the Alpha course halfway through last term. And a picture that comes up a couple of times in the Alpha course is um, the, oh, why do we hide? This picture, the picture of the pool. I don't know if it comes up in the adult alpha course because I've only ever done the youth alpha course and I've done that like three times. Um, it's great though. Um, and the question that's asked in the youth alpha course and maybe in the actual one with this is, if one person in this picture represented your relationship with God, who would it be? So, do you feel like you're in the pool? Do you feel like you're drowning? Do you feel like you're not even paying attention to the pool, that you're too busy looking at yourself or your work or the other things around you? Like, what, what person represents you? And I'm going to ask a little bit of a different question. Um, if one person in this picture represents your confidence in seeking and asking for the gifts of the Spirit and actually working in them, where do you think you stand. And some of us, we might feel like we're in the pool that we're swimming, that we've all got it sorted. Awesome, keep doing what you're doing, like keep asking. Um, but imagine more of us at some point or another might feel like we got out of the pool or we haven't even got in. Um, and that essentially we're standing on the edge. So why do we hide? Why are we standing on the edge of the pool? Why aren't we getting in? I've sort of got three, three ideas around why we might be standing on the edge. So one is sort of like kind of categorized it in my brain into like head knowledge, heart, and like soul body knowledge, like how we feel. So with the head, confusion. Um, we might, and this is the head knowledge because it's confusion because we might have been taught things that you're sitting here going, this is contradictory to what you've been saying, what I've been taught previously. Um, it might be that it wasn't for us, that some of these gifts actually aren't here anymore or that, um, you know, 
for some reason or another, you can't work in them or work in all of them. Um, you might have been taught that there are requirements that need to be met, that you're not holy enough, not spiritual enough, not mature enough or like faithfully mature enough. Um, or it might be that like you're just not, you can't do all of them. There's only one that's for you and you'll just do that for the rest of your life. You can't do anything else. And this confusion, I think, comes because there are certain being <clears throat> powers of evil that want confusion because the spiritual gifts enable us to be strong and effective and free in what God is doing. They enable us to be really effective at working against the powers of evil. And so if he can sow confusion so that we don't even think we can do all of them, that we don't think we're good enough, that we don't think there's any point in asking, then he's already won. He's already sorted half the battle because we're not even trying to push against him. So what we need to do, the best way to do it, is hold on to the truth, and the truth being Jesus, and the truth that God can empower any person at any time, and any person includes you. I don't care if you're three years old. I don't know if we have any three-year-olds out here, but I don't care if you're three years old or like 99 years old or whatever. God can work through you. God can empower us. Um, and sometimes that... Uh, false teaching can come from, it can tie in with the heart knowledge, um, which is the idea of disappointment. Um, and it could come from something where maybe you've been prayed for, for being healed for something and nothing happened, you weren't healed, and then you were blamed for that. You were told it's not your fault, it's your fault that you weren't healed, um, that you don't have enough faith or you're not spiritual enough or whatever. And that is a lie in the same way that being told you can't ask for them is a lie. Being told that you didn't receive something is just as much a lie. But that can sow its way into our heart um, because there's sort of a pain or a hurt there. Um, but sometimes the disappointment comes from uh, like, why hasn't God answered my prayer in like a personal Thing of why, why is this person in my life that I care about still suffering? Why hasn't this thing that I've been working for for years come to pass yet? Why did this thing not happen when I thought I had a vision, when I thought it was going to go this way and it all fell apart? And that, that can be really hard to work through because it's this personal gripe that we have with God. Um, and like it happens to the best of us. I'm sure we all go through moments where we're disappointed because something didn't happen how we thought it would happen. But sometimes these things are small um, and sometimes they're really, really big. And it can feel like a failure or it can feel like a rejection. Um, and it's just, it's hard. And I'm not trying to say that it's not hard with this and um, saying that it's not about you. Not saying that that's not hard, but I'm saying God works in mysterious and wonderful ways. And sometimes we, we only see that in part. We only see the kingdom breakthrough and bits and pieces because we're living in this tension of the kingdom coming now, but the kingdom also not having come in its fullness. The kingdom not yet. Um, 
and have a little bit of a funny story. My grandmother, who's not here today and called me up yesterday, be like, I'm so sorry, I'm missing your talk tomorrow. Um, uh, she was in a car accident a few years ago, had an, uh, damaged her hand quite badly in that. Um, and my great uncle was a police officer before he retired and he did many things with his life, but one of them was being a police officer. And in that, he also had his hand very mangled and he was praying for her one time to have her hand healed and his hand was healed. And so it's this thing of God did work in that case, but he didn't work at all how we expected it or what we thought was going to happen because we only see in part. And that's one where it might not resonate as much because it's like, oh, the disappointment isn't there. But there would have been some disappointment because it's like, I, I wanted you to be healed as well, but it was just me. And that's simply because we're living in a tension where we can only see it in part. Um, and the third thing, which is more like a body-soul idea in my brain, is that simply it's just a bit uncomfortable. Um, and part of it can be because it's uncomfortable because you have no idea what you're doing. You're like, I, look, I've, I'm just learning now that there are these things called spiritual gifts and like I have no idea what to do in them or I've heard about them, but I've never walked in them before. And that idea of not knowing what you're doing is a bit weird. And it might also be because it can feel a little bit like you're out of control, like you're putting yourself out there and you're not in control of the outcome and you could look a bit silly. And like the control issue is really at the heart of it, a trust issue, because if you aren't willing to cede over control, then that means you're not trusting the person that you would be giving the control to, right? And there are some situations where it's like, yeah, no, that's good. The person you would be giving control to isn't a trustworthy person. You should keep controlling it but if we're thinking that we're holding on to control because from God then we've just got it all wrong because we're not in control of anything God is really the one that is control of everything and so we've just got to trust God to do that because he's going to do stuff whether we like it or not and it's better to partner with him and work with him in that and trust him to do it whether or not things don't go away or things are not how we expected or wanted or we just look a bit silly um, or you stand there and you're like, I'm standing here praying for this person and I don't know what to say and that's just really uncomfortable because now I'm standing here with someone and I don't even know you that well and this is just all a bit awkward. Um, and the thing is, is like it's about pushing through that space of uncomfortable because we can only find the new spaces God is calling us to, those new comfort zones, by pushing through those spaces that are a bit uncomfortable because we don't know what we're doing because we're still figuring it out. Doing new things is always a little bit weird and uncomfortable. And so you can only find your new comfort zones by pushing through the uncomfortable, uncomfortable zones. Um, and... Uh, something Jacob's doing a talk at youth later this term and something that he said when we were talking about it um, is uh, talking about his talk that actually relates really well here that I have told him I'm going to steal is um, that we are each uniquely gifted by God and we have a responsibility to use those gifts and that using those gifts should take some priority in our lives. Um, his talk's about how do we prioritise things. Um, and if we're holding back from using our gifts and using the way that God wants us to step out, 
then we're actually like, we're not partnering well with God because he's given us a responsibility to use them, to ask, to push out. And so we're kind of meant to push out and that it should be an important thing for us to try and push out and something to overcome. Um, And ultimately, the best way is that we just have to be willing to try and risk. We need to be willing to risk for it, to all be a bit uncomfortable, for it not to go away, for things not to happen, generally just to even look a bit silly. Um, And we have to give it a go. You're not going to see something if you don't try, you know? Like, you might see something because God does work in ways, but it's easier to see something if you're trying and if you're asking to see something. Um, And so, kind of been praying a bit about the ministry time and what God wants, because I do really think he wants everyone to give it a go today and just this is a space where we can all try um, and take a bit of a risk. Um, and I'm, I'm not going to force anyone to do anything that they're really uncomfortable with, um, but I'm going to make space for you to step out. Um, and I'm going to, I really encourage you to take that opportunity and to take the space um, to step out. So if you are feeling a little bit like you're in the uncomfortable category um, of like, I don't like feeling out of control, I have no idea what I'm doing, um, then I encourage you right now to ask God for a gift and then you're going to try it out. You're going to go, okay, God, can you give me a word of knowledge for this person? And then just give it a go right? Just like try and focus really hard on God and that person and then just tell them what comes to mind. Um, That's one example, but there are lots of other ways you could ask to pray for them for healing, all sorts. If This also goes if you're in the category where you're a bit confused because the easiest way to overcome what we think we know is to actually just experience it and see what happens and then try to unravel it later. So, If you're also a little bit confused in that sort of confusion, this doesn't make sense with what I've been taught, um, asking God to help you overcome that confusion and then also actually just asking him to give you, like, God, how can I work with you in this moment? Can you give me a word for this person? Can you help, can you heal this person? And just asking. Um, If you're in more of the disappointment category where there's a heart hurt, um, there I encourage you to come to the cross, the cross, um, and lay it at Jesus's feet or asking someone around you to stand with you and letting that go. And if you're in the uncomfortable, confused category, this is a great opportunity for you to ask for the gift of comfort or words of encouragement or something. Um, But also, I don't encourage you to stay in that place of letting go of the disappointment, but to step out of it and go, okay, God, can you give me something new? How can I partner with you again? Um, so essentially, all of us should be praying for each other. Um, if you're like, I don't fit into any of those categories, I was in the pool, awesome. I, you probably need really little encouragement for me to say, go and pray for someone. Um, so yeah, you can just go and do that and join in the fun. Um, and I know some of you might be really wanting your coffee, but coffee, there will still be coffee after you have prayed for people. Um, so yeah, if so just going to take... A moment to ask God for how we can partner with him in this moment and then go and do it. Yeah. So I'll just pray into that. So, Lord, um, 
we just really ask that you will uh, come now and reveal what you have for us uh, in this moment, that you will give us the confidence to step out in your faith, um, step out in faith, but also uh, give us something to say or something to ask for. Um, we ask for those who are struggling with that heart um, uh, issues that you will just really work in them and that you will heal them in this moment, that you will, you know, help them continue in that journey towards your fullness and your life. Um, yes, Lord, just ask for you to come and reveal yourself to us now and reveal how you're working already. Mm. Amen. As you call me on.